Hello, it is Wednesday, June 5th. This is the Daily Perspective from Politics NC. I'm here, Kurt Kovac, with Thomas Mills. Thomas, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I am doing fine myself. So the one of the biggest topics in the news lately, both in North Carolina and elsewhere, has been a, a slew of abortion bills, in especially the southern states and particularly states that have Republican trifectas. But North Carolina has a Democratic governor, and he vetoed the Born Alive bill that was passed by the General Assembly a few weeks ago now. I think it's been. And it was overridden in the Senate. One Democrat paired with all the Republicans, but the House has not yet uh, had a vote on that. They kept rescheduling it. And now today, Speaker Moore says is the uh, final date. They're definitely going to have a vote one way or another. So could you maybe discuss what that Born Alive bill is about and um, what that vote might look like today? Uh, I don't know what the vote's going to look like today, but the bill itself is about politics. It really has very little impact on very many people, very many families. What it says is that if a baby is born alive in, after an abortion, and it would always be a late-term term abortion, then doctors have to give it uh, medical care and treatment to keep it alive. The problem with it is, is that almost every late-term abortion is performed because of the, either the fetus is not viable or the life of the mother is at risk. If the baby's born alive and it's healthy and normal, then, then, then a doctor has to take care of it anyhow or else that's considered murder. So, so um, there, there's no real reason for it. Uh, the, the downside of it is, is that what it could do is it could force mothers who know they have, they're carrying fetuses that are not viable, that will not survive long after birth, force her to carry them to term sometimes for months at a time. Uh, it also may scare doctors away from performing procedures that are probably in the best interest of both the mother and the fetus. Now, really, though, the bill is about dividing people. It's about firing up the Republican base so they can say, yeah, we're standing up for unborn children and driving a wedge between uh, people who are less informed, who don't quite understand what the bill is, and uh, Democrats who they say would let babies die on the table. Nobody's ever suggested that babies should die on the table. But if a baby's born without a brain, born without lungs, are we going to keep that child alive on a ventilator just to keep this satisfy this bill? You know, that's not good policy. Um, right. I think they're, uh, I think, I think it's a very ugly ugly bill to be honest with you yeah and i know in the article you wrote about it uh back when the bill first passed uh, i think only 1.3 percent of abortions are performed after 21 weeks and um i would assume entirely uh for reasons that were uh, the child was not going to survive or the life of the mother was at risk and this is all sort of born out of I think two things were one governor Northam in Virginia had basically just a bad explanation of it in a radio interview that many people, you know, touted as him uh, advocating infanticide. And then I believe New York state passed a very sweeping abortion uh, protection bill, basically the opposite of what the states in the South have been doing. Do you think that just to 
extrapolate a little bit. Do you think that abortion will be a, a big hot button issue in the 2020 election from president on down? I don't think it's going to be as big as it is what we're seeing right now. I think more what it's going to be used to do is to fire up the base, the Republican base, the people who are most anti-choice uh, and and get them to the polls and, and try to make this a central issue for them. You know, we're living in a day where we can really slice and dice our messages to specific audiences. And this is a very motivating uh, message for, for some of the Republican base. So that's right. But I don't, I don't think overall this is going to be uh, the, uh, a dividing issue. The, the, the problem that Republicans have in making it a broad issue is depending on how you frame the language, most polls I've, I've seen show that somewhere around 70% of the people uh, think that Roe versus Wade should be upheld. They don't want to see it overturned. You know, it, you can ask other questions and say, you know, about specifics about abortion and you get differing answers. But um, I think in general, most Americans, even if they don't like abortion, don't believe in, in criminalizing all of it. Right. Well, this this bill is in line with, I think, a number of very socially conservative policies that have been enacted in the state since 2010 and the Republicans uh, took power back in the state. So one part of their agenda is the conservative social issues and the other part is tax cuts. And Derek Scott uh, contributed a piece to the website this morning and he basically unpacks that argument. And I think the gist of it is, you know, North Carolina a lot of our Republican leaders tout the tax cuts as a major driver of the economic recovery, but compared to other states in the region, it really hasn't been all that impressive. So do you have any thoughts on the tax cut uh, policies in the state and how that's used as a political uh, issue? Yeah, the Republicans are going to want to take credit for the for this booming economy. And, and really, it's a continuation of what we saw under Obama when he got us out of the recession. But Regardless, they're in power. They, you know, they 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 get to take credit for a good economy. Just like if Democrats were in power, they get to take credit for a good economy. The the fallacy here is that their tax policy somehow drove this economy. It just it didn't. Um, and and Derek Scott does a great job of debunking that argument, showing that uh, states that did. Uh, around us have done similarly um and anything anytime we've done better it's been marginally anytime they've done better it's kind of been marginally it's just it's very small amounts one thing he did notice though is that other states south carolina and virginia um were willing to invest more in their infrastructure and their schools than we were so you know the 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 one thing about the tax cuts that's that's you, they cannot argue is the benefits of the tax cuts went to the wealthiest North Carolinians. And he's got a table that shows that uh, the average tax cut for people making more than $500,000 in North Carolina was $19,000, $19,000 a year, I think. Um, and then people making two hundred to $500,000 got a 2000 over $2,000 a year tax cut. Um, the, that's and compared to people at the bottom rung, people making uh, 
fifty to a hundred thousand dollars got a hundred and twenty six dollars a year, basically ten bucks a month. I mean, the, the the inequality there is just staggering. That we shifted a whole bunch of money from the state into the pockets of the people who have done the the best in this state, and we and we cut the services that help the people who need them the most. And, and that's not that's not the vision that I have for North Carolina. And I don't think it's the vision that a lot of people from this state, regardless of their political persuasion, have for North Carolina. Right. Well, and, and I know another way that some of the, the loss of revenue from tax cuts has been mitigated is uh, there's a, been a, a lot of increases in fees um, as well, which it's harder to see that. You see that, as Derek wrote in his his piece, there were you know minuscule amounts of money returned. For the lowest rungs, it was like $25, $30. But those people have to go get their car inspected or have plumbers come to their house. All these different services now have fees associated with them. So, I mean, you could see a scenario where some people probably have ended up having to spend more money since the tax cuts, even though they tout it as everybody's paying less and there's more money in your pocket. But right. that money comes out of your pocket pretty fast when you have to pay more for everything you do. Yeah. The tax burden has shifted from the wealthiest and the corporations onto the middle class. And that, that's pretty much indisputable. Well, I think we've covered a, a good number of topics today, and there's bound to be more tomorrow. Uh, I know this, assuming Speaker Moore is true to his word, they will have that abortion override uh, bill today. They will override that bill today, or they'll at least try to, and we'll see how that plays out tomorrow. But um, I think that's all for today, Tom. All right. I'll talk to you tomorrow, Kirk.